0: On this edition of the Cubs recap podcast, Gordon Whitmire and I talk about the latest news, the ulnar collateral elbow injury to Shohei Otani and how that could affect the Cubs chase of the Japanese sensation this offseason. We talk about Cody Bellinger and we get deep into the NL Central race the rest of the way. Welcome into our Cubs recap podcast, a presentation of our YouTube channel here on the Recap Channel. Hope you are a subscriber and available anywhere you get your audio-only versions of your favorite podcast With my partner Gordon Whitmire, I'm David Kaplan.
1: I I got something for you, Kept Man. Uh, Bring I'm, it on. Listen, I was just out in in Anaheim. I'm I'm in. Phoenix now enjoying the air conditioning because it's like 150 degrees out there. Um, but I just came in from Anaheim and and I think I just saw Shohei Ohtani's last start. I saw, his, I saw his last pitch thrown of this season and I'm wondering if I haven't seen his last pitch thrown, period. Second inning of the first game of a doubleheader against the Reds on Wednesday in Anaheim. And I mean, he looked great in the first inning and then boom, And they say it's a torn UCL. It could mean second Tommy John, man. But the big thing is he's your guy. And what does that mean to you for him? Possibly with the Cubs, there is speculation that he could go get treatment for this elbow as a pitcher and still keep hitting. Correct. So
0: I have made a lot of calls to executives that I trust in the game. And after talking to a number of different people, I don't want Otani. And this was pre-UCL second surgery, potentially injury. This was probably in the last two weeks. Um, I look at that team, the Cubs, and I'm trying to not think of them as my favorite team that I cheer for. I think I look at the Cubs trying to be act as a GM would think. I got to re-sign Cody Bellinger. I don't know who my first baseman is, and I think my window to win opens next year.
1: I don't think you signed Cody Bellinger. I think he sees the open market, and you don't go where the bidding goes.
0: Okay, I think there is a strong chance they sign Cody Bellinger. That's one. Two, I re-sign Jamer Candelario, who wants to be in Chicago.
1: That I can see happening.
0: And then I go get a number one starter. So... I look at three different signings and I have spent somewhere around 400 something like that million as opposed to the money that Shohei's going to get which is going to be dramatically decreased because of the pitching injury.
1: Well so- this is this is my, that where my question comes in, right? So I'm of the belief, not like you, that they're not going to get Cody Bellinger done. Maybe they do. I don't think they will. But what would your other plan be? Left handed monster bat in the middle of the order, which is what Bellinger became for you this year. That's Shohei Ohtani. OK, and, and um, Shohei Ohtani even if he doesn't pitch. OK, how many years are you willing to give him? OK, well, now now this, this is one one scenario that comes into play, right? If you're Shohei and and he's 29 years old and if he wants to continue pitching, so if he wants to go through what might be a lengthy rehab process to get that elbow right again so that he can be the two-way guy that he's been, he may not want a long-term deal because he may want to maximize his good health on on the backside of that in a year or two, maybe a year. It might not be any more than getting through next year. And and then hitting the free agent market again. Yeah, what? I'm not
0: what? doing a one year deal what? for 40 million bucks. I'm not. I'm not, 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 no chance. Now, two years, if I can get him two years at 80 million to put that bat in my lineup, yeah, up. I'm interested. I said on the radio today that I would be willing to go a six year deal at 240 to put that monster bat in my lineup. But Jim Bowden thinks. He's getting 10 at 400 with an opt-out after 25 to prove that he's healthy when he pitches again at 25. I'm not doing that. I am not guaranteeing someone $400 million. And then in two years, he says, yeah, my arm feels good. I'm going out and getting 700 million, 800 million, not doing it. Not
1: doing. I'm with, I am with you on that. And that's one massive risk because the other side of that coin is you're on the hook for all that money for, And and
0: what if his health continues to deteriorate?
1: I think let's assume that he can be the hitter. I mean, he's, he's not a small guy. He's not, there's nothing fluky about the way he hits or where his power comes from. Um, It's what makes him so valuable is obviously he's the pitcher too, but just as a bat who can lead the majors in home runs, and, and be the, just this amazing uh left-handed monster in the middle of, of an order that's pretty good but unlike Bellinger you're not getting a gold glove either right and he might be able to he might be able to play some some outfield for you uh, if he's not going to pitch eventually
0: okay so let me ask you this if you're jed Hoyer and Tom Ricketts calls you into a meeting and he says okay Jed here's how we do business here I give you whatever that number is. 300 million, whatever the number is, and you spend it how you want on anything in baseball operations, what are you going to do? And you can get Shohei Ohtani, two for 80 million, and then he could leave, or you can get Cody Bellinger, and the more I've talked to executives in the league, they do not think anyone in the game is giving him eight, nine, 10 years at stupid money. Nobody so I, in the game believes that.
1: Yeah, I don't think it – well, we'll see because all it takes – If is I can get him
0: six times 30, six times 35, I'm taking Cody Bellinger as opposed to so having to give 10 years to Otani.
1: So that's uh, KB's, Chris Bryant's contract. That was 6 2 right? Correct.
0: If, if I can get Bellinger at that number and let – now – if I can get Otani and Ballinger and Otani's a two year commitment, I'm rolling the dice.
1: Yeah. So here's, you asked me the question. Here's what I do if I'm Jed in that scenario uh-huh. I put it back at Tom and I say, give me more than that for the next two years. And here's why. Because if we, if we, give me more than that if I can get Otani. Because if we get Otani, you're going to make tens of millions more uh, for this franchise over that period of time. I agree. But as I said on the radio,
0: I'm not guaranteeing someone on their second Tommy John, who I don't know exactly how much mileage is on his body from his days in Japan. He's a hell of a player, obviously one of the best ever. If I have to guarantee him 10 years till age. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about.
1: I'm I'm talking about you have the leverage because of this injury. So use it. Get a agreed. get a shorter deal out of it. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about no, there's it's asinine to think that you would commit significant money, never mind, record money for this guy for an eight to ten or more year deal. That's asinine because of, of what's the health reality right now. Right. Um, and it might have been asinine to begin with just because of the risk that we saw play out on Wednesday. Because that, that could have happened at any point. This guy that already had Tommy John surgery once.
0: Right, and the Tommy John he had was already when he came to the states. So it's right. pretty, pretty close to, you know,
1: to what two years ago. Yeah, and 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 there's no way to. Really? He, it was uh, it was right after he got here. So he came he he came to the states in 2018, and he was past his Tommy John surgery for the start of 2021. Is, is uh, is how I think that timeline. And worked.
0: here we are, two years later, and he might need
1: another one. Right, and, and, the, and the issue with him beyond all of what's right in front of our faces is that we can go talk to guys that have had multiple Tommy Johns, Jameson Tyon's one of those. We can, <clears throat> we can talk to that and, and we see the precedent of that. But what we don't have a precedent for is a guy that puts as much stress on his body doing both things through you know six months a year, plus spring training, plus any postseason that he might one day see – Um, so there's no book on it. So it it just increases the risk that much more.
0: Okay. So let me ask you this question. Why do you not think the Cubs are going to get Cody Bellinger? Because
1: I just got payroll
0: flexibility.
1: I, I don't think, I don't think it's about whether they want to, or even whether he wants to come back or whether they have enough money to do it. Maybe all that's in play. But he's not going to sign before he goes to the open market. So they're going to have to get him on the open market. they I think they've done that before where they've they've been able to, to get guys. I mean, they brought Dexter Fowler back. That was a different kind of scenario. But they could go out there and compete and if he wants to come back and, and they could pay the top dollar. They could decide to be, you know, write a first review. Hey, you go get it, go find your best offer and come back to us. And we'll match it. Whatever. But we saw this play out with Chris Bryant and, and Scott Boris, same agent, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you thought, I thought Chris Bryant got about the best deal I could have imagined with the, the yeah, Rockies. I did
0: not think he would get the money that he got. And I guarantee you, For the, the year. Colorado Rockies wish they didn't sign that deal.
1: Right. But so the point of that is, and this is where Boris is the best in the business historically at what he does. It takes one. And he leverages the market every at every leverage point he can. And sometimes where, you know, you've heard all these stories over the years of, boy, that team was bidding against itself. And whether whether we can ever prove that or not, he works the system. And so he's going to work the system. And and again, all it takes is that one team to throw the kind of money out there that the Cubs say, no, that just doesn't make any sense for us you know good luck cody wish you the best the fact that he's going to hit the open market with boris to me makes it feel like a long shot it's certainly not a slam dunk it's certainly not they'll probably get him back it to me it's less likely that they get him back than get him back if that's the process so
0: as you look at this team right now and as we are recording this on thursday afternoon The wild card standings have the Phillies two and a half clear in the top spot at 69 and 58. The second place team in a virtual tie with the Reds is the Cubs. 66 and 60. That's a 524 win percentage. The Reds are 523. So basically, they are locked up. Both teams are 6 and 4 their last 10. The Reds have won three straight. The Cubs have won their last game against the Tigers took that series. So as you look at where it's at right now today, how do you think this thing plays out over the next couple of weeks? Because next week, the Brewers are in Chicago.
1: Yeah, there's uh, there's some <laughs> very important stretches coming up here. For the Reds, they've got an 11-game stretch that starts right now. Um, I'm in Phoenix where the Reds are going to play Arizona for a four-game series starting tonight. Then they go to San Francisco and play the Giants for two. Then they go home and play the Cubs four games in three days because they open with that September 1st doubleheader. Those are all the teams that are bunched up. You just said it. Uh, Right now, you know, the first tiebreak. if they finish tied, which is entirely likely the way this thing is bunched up, I wouldn't be shocked if two or three teams are tied for position where, you know, it's kind of the team that loses a tiebreaker may, may doesn't make the playoffs, that kind of thing. And right now, the in the in the Reds situation, they're tied head to head is the first tiebreaker. They're three and three against the Marlins, for instance. They're done playing them. They're five and four against the Cubs. Cubs are four and five against the Reds. That four game series is going to decide the tiebreaker between those teams. And <laughs> and then um, Arizona. The the Reds have a big advantage there. The Cubs haven't played Arizona yet. Cubs have all seven of their games against Arizona coming up. That's going to determine that tiebreaker. The Cubs have seven games in seven days coming up, starting August 28th against Milwaukee and the Reds. That's huge. And then they finish with three at Milwaukee. Those 10 games right there might decide it for the Cubs. All of it, like whether they have a chance at the division, never mind win it, and whether they get into the playoffs through the wild card. Um, And then the Reds have this stretch right here. These are, I got to tell you, Cap, as a purist from back in the day, I didn't like the idea of 162 games not deciding more than this, but I love the uncertainty and the excitement and the intrigue of six teams in each league making the playoffs and what this wildcard race looks like, because there's these little pockets of games. that are going to be so significant and yet still have maybe two weeks to play three weeks to play in some cases, or with these key series, you know, after two weeks of games where it's not head to head. And then all of a sudden there's an important series at the end. Um, I mean, these things can change every there's a point at which they can change on a series, never mind a week. The uh,
0: Brewers get today off, and then they get the Padres rolling into Milwaukee for three, and then Don't sleep they get the
1: Padres. Them. Don't sleep on the Padres. They're, Correct. They're- but those games are
0: not going to be easy for the Brewers.
1: Yeah, and 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 they still think they have a chance, and they've got they've got peripherals that suggest they could go on a run.
0: And they've got talent that says they could absolutely go on a run.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, back to the Cubs for a minute. It looks like, and the Cubs are not confirming any of this, you cannot pitch Drew Smiley as a starter in a pennant race right now. You just can't.
1: I was going to ask you your thoughts on him. Terrible. Terrible, terrible,
0: terrible. Gave away a game the other night because he couldn't get the job done. So, it looks like Jordan Wick's. Might. He was scratched from his start on Wednesday night at Iowa. It looks like he is going to be recalled on Sunday. Right now, Smiley is the listed starter, but I believe it's going to be Jordan Wicks making his major league debut uh, this weekend against Pittsburgh. Let me just read you the Pittsburgh Pirates. And again, they're major league players, the whole deal. I get it. I get it, get it, get it. In the second half of the season, the Pittsburgh Pirates have been, this is from my friend Michael Sarami at Bleacher Nation, brutally bad against left-handed pitching. A 78 weighted runs created plus, which is 26 in MLB. League average is 100, so 78 is pathetically bad. So you might not have a better opportunity to debut Jordan Wicks than this Sunday in place of Drew Smiley on the road, against a team that's already given up against a team that doesn't hit lefties and replacing a guy who just can't start for you again.
1: Well, yeah. And, and, and I think that makes the most sense of anything. Two things come to mind. One with the, the lefty vulnerability with the pirates. If smiley's on schedule for that day anyway, He's just your backup plan. He's your piggyback guy. If, if, if Jordan wets the bed coming, coming into his big league debut for whatever reason and can't get the job done, at least you've got the veteran behind him, you're no mm-hmm. worse off than had you started with Smiley in the first place. So that makes sense to me. The other thing is, remember uh, they brought up a rookie a year ago who, who uh, they'd acquired in a trade, a guy that made his big league debut in se- September. No, actually, I think it was August. Hayden Wisniewski. And what did he do down the stretch? He, he was really good. Up. Uh, he hadn't been the same pitcher all year this year, but that kind of um, you don't give a do little it. bit of juice. It does. You get a young guy that comes up if he's ready to go, and and Jordan Wicks has been hot in the minors, Double A AA and Triple A. If he, if the right voices get to him, and he and he doesn't try to do too much, and he comes in and just takes care of business. Uh, Rossi's a good manager at like trying to make sure a guy doesn't uh, you know to overextend himself and and give him the best chance to succeed. What if he's what if he's able to kind of ambush uh, the league down the stretch here a little bit? Um, I don't think you have anything to lose because honestly, Cap, take a look at that rotation. How many guys do you trust in that Cubs rotation right now? I'm going to say a month ago I was saying it might be the deepest four deep in the division. It's not even close to that now. What? How many? Who do you trust in that rotation right
0: now? Right now in that rotation, I trust Justin Steele and Kyle Hendricks. Okay, so I now, agree. Now, Ty- Tyone took a no-hitter into the six yesterday and then ran out of gas, and I thought Rossi made a bad decision. So the bases are lo- – base hit, base hit. All of a sudden, bases are loaded, nobody out. He gets the next two guys. It's still a 4 nothing ball game. Here comes uh, the rookie. The left-hander, Kerry, uh, kid from the Tigers, whatever. Kerry comes up. It's a lefty against the righty. I'm screaming at my TV. Okay, you bought two outs. Get him out of there. Get him out. He doesn't, and he hits it into the stands. The game is tied. Cubs come back and win, but Tyone is good for five innings for me.
1: And and this is exactly the point of my question. It wasn't who's good, who's not good. It was, who do you trust? And Ty has got a track record. He's a talented guy. He's been around the block, but I don't trust him. Cause you just don't know a couple of starts ago. He gave up eight runs. You know, he's Correct. given up nine, 19 runs in his last 19 and a third, 19 and two thirds innings, something like that. Um, and we know how he started the season. So yeah, uh, it, Hendricks, I agree. You, you know, you trust him, but he's just coming off of an injury. Um, you hope that everything's cool there. He seems to be good. Um, you certainly trust his poise. He's on the back nine of his career. There's that, too. And then there's Steele, who's the best of the bunch this year. Is no he going to win the National League Cy Young? If he finishes strong...
0: I... Leads the league in wins, 14-3. and three. Yeah, Leads think... the league in win percentage, nine twenty four. No, that's... That... And he's at 2.80 on his ERA. My question to you is, he's at 132 innings going into tonight, Thursday night start. His career high is 119.
1: That's where I was going with it. Because with him, the concern is workload and injury history. At this time last year, he was finishing up the, the season on the IL. Most of it for precautionary reasons by the time we got into September. Because, again, workload issues with him. Why push it team wasn't in contention, but he hasn't done this before. So that gets back to who do you trust? I still trust him more than anybody else. I still trust Hendricks more than the other guys, but there's questions with all of them. And uh, yeah, so Jordan Wicks is, uh, is definitely uh, the right way to go on Sunday. And hopefully he becomes this year's Hayden Wisniewski for their sake. Uh, if not, if not, Cap, you, you're looking. You're not. You're probably going to be hard pressed to put together real winning streaks down the stretch. It's going to be like win two, lose one, win two, lose one, win two, lose two. It's going to it's going to be pulling teeth to get it done down the stretch. Otherwise, even though Cubs are scoring runs,
0: okay. So a friend of mine just texted me at at the exact. Appropriate time that we're talking about this. What are Justin Steele's odds to win the Cy Young?
1: Yeah, so uh, he's got to be one of the favorites. I'm, you know, the one, one guy to watch is uh, Snell in San Diego.
0: Yeah, Blake Snell because ahead he's of him. right now. Steele is eighteen to one to win it. Sounds um, like a smart wager to me.
1: Snell's, Snell leads the uh, league in ERA by a few points ahead of Steele. And Zach Gallen in Arizona is another guy to watch. He leads the league in, in war on baseball reference. He's third in the league in ERA. Um, so it's Gallin,
0: Snell, Strider, Webb, and then Steele.
1: Yes. Uh, wait, in, in what, war?
0: No, in odds to win the Cy Young. Oh, I
1: see, I see. Yeah, so we got Gallon and so Gallen leads war for pitchers on baseball reference. Earned uh, he's uh third in earned run average. He's tied with Steele and strider in wins. Um Kershaw well, Kershaw's got 11 wins. He was on the IL for a while too. Those are your guys right there. And and it, you know what? It might come down, it might come down to how uh, the head to head plays out, Cap, because Arizona's fighting for wild card. Chicago's fighting for wild card and San Diego is hot right now. And if they catch the pack and they, and they stay in that mix down the stretch, even if they miss, it's going to take Snell really finishing strong. Uh, it could, it, a lot of this could depend on, uh, on that, how they do against each other too.
0: So right now, Zach Gallon is even money. Snell is about three to one. Strider is three and a half to one. Webb is 12 to one. Steele is 18 to one.
1: Snell's a uh, second in strikeouts per nine as well. Um, steals, See, steal's top. And, six and, in, you, mentioned,
0: and you mentioned Snell. That's who I'm trying to sign if I'm the Cubs, if all my analytic background work checks out. And all of a sudden now I got lefty and Snell, lefty and steel, righty in Tyone, righty in Hendricks, and then perhaps it's Jordan uh, Wicks or Cade Horton. Maybe Marcus Stroman's still here. That gives me a pretty yeah. damn good rotation.
1: Well, that's when, that's when these uh, prospects start having real value for your organization because you don't have to count on them as a number three starter as a rookie, but you got a few of them that show a lot of promise that can fight for back-end spots and maybe even rotate. To, so
0: uh, ESPN uh, just ranked the minor league systems Chicago Cubs, they have number two in all of baseball in the minor leagues. And they said one year from right now, Cade Horton could be the number one pitching prospect
1: in all of baseball. That's interesting. That's That's interesting because I was going to I was going to say that that number two ranking is on the backs of pitchers. Yes. Imagine us saying that five years ago.
0: Oh, my God. Theo would not be happy when we were talking about that stuff.
1: No. All I right, Gordon, I'm going to
0: spring you. Uh, when do the Reds face Zach Gallen this weekend?
1: Uh, that's a great question because I did not get the rotation yesterday. Let me see what the uh, Diamondbacks.com says. By the way, I've got a stat for you I want to share before we get going, too. Um, here we go. You got Kelly... Kelly and Williamson tonight. Zach Davies yeah, had- on Saturday. They do not see Gallup in this series.
0: Oh, that's ridiculous. I got to make a call.
1: And you guys are going to get seven games against these guys. I believe it's seven. I don't think it's six. You're going to see him possibly twice. Um, I got a stat for you. So we yeah. were talking about, we we're talking about this. Uh, look, man, the, The Cubs just played the Royals and the Tigers. And we would have thought that had they brought their A game to those two series, they would have had a shot to maybe sweep one of them. And they did have shot. They did have a chance to sweep both of them. They did. Um, uh, But they didn't, right? They they won two out of three. That's fine. They took care of business. And and you don't you'll you'll take that every day of the week, win in series and then win another series and win another series. But these are kind of teams where you maybe have an opportunity to sweep. So when we talk about not having as much starting pitching as it looked like they had a few weeks ago, and when we start talking about you got to bring up this rookie and hope that he catches fire because the guy that you're replacing him with just has been terrible, then what I said about winning series, winning two here, losing one, winning two here, losing two, that's kind of what you're looking at down the stretch. So let me give you a stat. The the Cubs have eight three-game series and three four-game series left. If they win all eight of those series, two games to one. Win them all, but don't sweep them. But don't lose any of them. And if they split the three four-game series, they'll go 22 and 14 the rest of the way. That would make them 88 and 74. And... Tell me what you think. Would you like your chances with 88 and 74? It's not yes, bad. they're they're in the playoffs. I think that's a I think that's a good bet. Um what 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 do you think your your chances are of winning the division in that case? Oh, boy.
0: 88 and 74 is flirting with not winning the division. I think you've got to get to 89 90 91 to win the division.
1: You know, that's a, that's that's good math on your part because the Brewers are playing at a 551 clip and that projects to 89 wins. Yeah. That's so I'm at well, if you do, you know, if you kind of keep plugging along like the Cubs, make progress, don't go into a losing streak, but you know, you know, probably not gonna have a big winning streak. 88 wins, Brewers 89 wins. Now you got six games against the Brewers down the stretch, too. So you can swing that. But and in fact, the last series of the year. But uh, this is kind of where this is. This is part of why, and I think the Brewers have a run in them. Uh, The Brewers are the most capable of actually of the three top three teams in the NL Central. I think the most capable of putting together six wins in a row, for instance. And both both the Cubs and the Brewers are thirteen and seven in August. They're very similar since the break. Um, Cubs a little bit better. But the, but the Brewers, man, they've got healthy front-end pitching right now. I like their chances.
0: Well, this, this kid pitching for the Reds tonight, how good is he? Well, I'll let you go on this. Williamson? Yeah.
1: Williamson debuted in May, and we thought that and he debuted as an emergency starter, kind of like the Smiley situation because they just didn't have anybody and they needed somebody desperately. He wasn't that good the first bunch of starts out. He's been really good the last bunch of starts out and th- he's, I don't think that's a fluke. I think it's a growth arc. I don't, I don't think it's a, uh, I don't think it's circumstances. I think he's just finding his big league legs under him. Um, and he's a left-hander. He's got some pretty good stuff. He's one of these tall lanky guys with good angles. Uh, I don't know how he finishes because his innings workload is going to be an issue. Andrew Abbott's another left-hander in there. Who's got big numbers overall but this kid's pitched better than abbott last month or so and uh, both those guys are going to be workload issues down the stretch reds have the biggest uphill climb there's no question about it hunter green looked like crap coming off of uh uh the il the other day and uh their their other big savior guy that they were hoping to get back nick lodolo looks like he might be out for the year now he had a setback gordon have a great rest of your day man you too cap Appreciate you.
0: There he is. That's my partner. That's Gordon Wittenmeyer. That'll put a ribbon on this edition of the Cubs. Recap podcast. Presentation of our YouTube channel. The recap as well as available audio only anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. For Gordon, I'm Cap. Take that.